Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 38 of my podcast, I Stand Strong. I, as always, am Teddy, coming at you from my bear cave in the concrete jungle of the beautiful Midwest. It is currently sunny for anybody wondering about the weather where I'm at, but that's beside the point. Um, okay, uh, I don't know how long this episode will be, because uh, it's probably going to be a little short. Come, I just decided, uh, you know, as a little... Uh, extension to a previous episode where I talked about the Scream franchise, I figured I'd go ahead and uh, cover my thoughts on the sixth one. I, uh, not too long ago, watched it on, uh, on what, Peacock, I believe is a streaming service for it. Um, and I have some thoughts. Um, well, maybe that's another reason I'm doing this, kind of work out my thoughts on it. Um, you know, I, I thought it was, it was good. Um, I definitely liked some of some of the stuff they did other things not so much but um you know before I get real deep into this I'm gonna say I will be talking very spoiler heavy in this I will talk about you know I mean it's been a it's been about a week since I've watched it so I don't remember everything clearly but I will be talking about deaths and killer reveal and whatnot so excuse me um but yeah it uh, yeah, so be warned, I'm gonna, I'm going to, uh, spoil the movie if you haven't already watched it, which, you know, I do highly say, I do highly suggest you watch it if you like the Scream movies, it does, it does definitely fit the mold of what the Scream movies do well, um, but yeah, so, you know, obviously Scream 5, you know, you had, you know, kind of the, the last of the it, it, what ended up being kind of the last of the the old guard, you know, you because Dewey's dies, and then you've got you know Gale and Sydney leave, but uh, and then it was later, you know, in between movies, it was announced that Nev Campbell wouldn't come back for Scream Six, which was kind of a bummer to me. But Courtney Cox comes back as Gale, but you know, not really, really kind of like menial in the long run to me, and is like as far as her her purpose in the movie. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it, you know, you have the, the four survivors of, uh, I guess the latest Woodsboro massacre from Scream 5 in Sam, Tara, the sisters, Sam and Tara. And then you have the twins that are also Randy's, uh, niece and nephew, Mindy and Chad. And, you know, yeah, they, they, it's... You know, I don't think it really ever explains how long it's been since probably only, you know, how long it's been since the the Woodsboro massacre and now it takes place in New York, which definitely does open up some some interesting aspects of the movie. Um where uh Tara is in college and Sam kind of just moved to be kind of mother moved with her to be mother hen as well as the twins for some reason, I don't think they ever really explain why the twins decide to move with them, but, you know, and they kind of, they, you know, within the movie, they dub themselves the core four, which, you know, it, it's kind of funny and it's also kind of very cheesy at the same time that they give themselves like a nickname to their little group. But anyways, yeah, so it's, it's in New York where, you know, you, you and it definitely, like, I, I really like the fact that this one really brings forward like the the relationships between the four of them now that they're you know they've been through this 
murder spree survived and now they're you know moving forward with their lives but at the same time it has some, I don't know, I'm, I'm really I'm really struggling with my, my thoughts on this one um and I'll get into that when I get to the killer reveal on I think is really what really bugs me about it so I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch it at some point in time just to to really think about how I feel on it but um but yeah so you know with this one you have Another great cold open, which is something that the the Scream movies have done really well. You know, Drew Barrymore in the first one, Jada Pinkett in the second one. Um, But with this one, it does some different things. I mean, you you start with Samara Weaving, who, like, unsung talent, let me tell you. Like, I love love what she's, you know, I I, I love her in Ready or Not. Um... Other than that, I don't like. I think the only thing I've seen her was Bill and Ted Face the Music, where she played one of them's kid. I believe it was Bill's kid. Um, but yes, yeah, she's you know, you get this great cold open with her sitting at a bar, and she gets a call from this date she's waiting on, and he's running late or whatever, and then he tells her he's at like this alley across the street, so she goes to meet him or whatever. And shocking no one who's ever watched a Scream movie, it ends up being Ghostface, and he proceeds to kill her. But then it does something really interesting, and I didn't really think much of it until I've I've listened to a couple, you know, a couple of the the horror podcasts that I I follow, um, and one of them talked was talking about it. And I'm like, I didn't really think about it, but it, it shocked. Like, there's a moment in this that shocked me, and I couldn't put my finger on why it was and like why it felt special. But like the second Samara Weaving gets killed by Ghostface, he instantly rips his mask off, and you see who's underneath the mask. And it's like, oh, well, shit. What are we gonna do here? Are we gonna see this whole movie through the Ghostface, you know, through the killer's eyes or whatever? That would be interesting. But then you know, and he does it right in the middle of the street, in or in this at in the middle of this alley where people on both sides are walking, you know, like. On both sides of this alley, people are just streaming past, and nobody's thinking anything of the fact that this woman's getting brutally murdered. He rips off the mask, takes off the costume, puts it in a bag, and just walks away like nothing's any different. But then the cold open keeps going, and you see this guy return to his, you know, his apartment, and he proceeds to have a phone call with like this roommate who apparently is his, uh, um like his like conspirator to do these murders. Uh, and you find out like it was all to do with, you know, like I, I don't even remember what his motives were. It was like, it was kind of just, it was interesting. Cause I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Um, and uh, the, the killer was revealed to be, I, I mean, I can't remember his, the actor's name off the top of my head, but yeah, he ends, but he ends up, you know, he, Oh, Tony, Wow, Revolori. Um, he also played Flash Thompson in the the Marvel done Spider Man movies. Um, but yeah, he's he's on the phone with this this friend of his that they were going to be you know killing people under the Ghostface moniker together. But like as you look around the apartment, you realize this kid is like a total like horror you know horror movie nerd or whatever. And it brings this kind of other whole aspect to, you know, once again, the kind of the, the subcontext as well as like with the conversation he kind of has with her, with 
Samara Weaving at the beginning is very, very scream dialogue. You know, talking about the the merits of horror movies and the stupidities of them and whatnot. But then he is then killed by what is the main ghost face of the movie, which is this very like beat up mask version of of Ghostface, which is really menacing just looking at like even even looking at like the the promo pictures like afterwards and noticing like it's all like rugged so it looks like it's been through some stuff some somehow makes Ghostface look a lot more menacing than he did before even though he was pretty menacing before um but yeah so this kid is then offed by the real Ghostface for the movie and then we proceed with the movie itself and yeah i i think the the character interactions are what really kind of stand out, stood out in this one to me. The whole, um, you know, the relationship between Tara and Sam being very strained because, uh, you know, Sam is kind of being this overprotective mother to to Tara, and Tara's kind of like, I just want to, you know, I want to live my life. I kind of want to just forget that the Woodsboro massacre happened, while Sam is very much like stuck on the fact that this happened once and who knows if it's going to happen again. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's got some interesting things, you know, and then you have the, the kind of hinting at a, a budding romance between, uh, Tara and Chad, which I found really endearing, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, and they, they do introduce a couple like side characters that to me just like really became clear. They're, they're, their kill fodder for the most part in the movie. Cause it just kind of like they introduced them, but they never really felt flushed out to me. They were kind of just there to be other members of their little group. Um, so, and then another thing I've noticed, it was like on a couple, couple different interviews I've heard talk about, like people like make a big deal about the fact like, Oh, this is the first screen movie that's outside of Woodsboro. I'm like, did people not pay attention in Scream 2? Scream 2 took place in a college, not in Woodsboro. At least as far as I remember, I don't think that that college was anywhere near Woodsboro. And so it was like, it's kind of weird. But I mean, given this is still, you know, they are in New York. They are in a much bigger, way more populated area. So maybe that's more of what they're getting at than just saying it's just not in Woodsboro. Um, but yeah, and the, you know, it... Yeah, I'm I'm really torn on this one. It's like the kills were the kills get like are are very much uh way more gory. Um the tension I I think I think the tension is another thing that really needs to be discussed on this one because the tension is so much more um especially in a couple set pieces um like the subway when you know you're surrounded by all these people and a murder happens in the middle of the subway and nobody bats an eye at it i mean what the hell is going on and, and, and you know i mean they do tackle that a little bit with the jada pinkett cold open in the second one because like she's getting killed in the middle of a movie theater and people just think but in that one i guess it is different though because people just think oh it's just something put up by the movie theater to go along with the fact they're watching a stab movie um where with this, it's just like, it's just pe normal people in a subway and suddenly like 
Mindy's getting stabbed by Ghostface, and nobody's batting an eye at the fact this chick's just getting stabbed repeatedly. Um, and it, it kind of does bring a little bit of a of a creep factor from that. It's like, really, nobody's going to do anything about this. They're just going to turn a blind eye as if this is nothing new. I mean, I don't live in New York. I've never lived in New York. Maybe that's a New York thing. I don't know. But I have lived in a you know, you know, I lived not too far from Portland. And I'd like to believe that if someone was getting stabbed on, you know, on the light rail or whatever, I can't remember what they called the, the max down there, you know, somebody would do something about it. They wouldn't just pretend it's not going on or act like nothing's happening kind of thing. Um, yeah, it, but it, it definitely, it definitely added a tension level that wasn't there in like four and five. I, w- I won't say I won't say it wasn't there in the first one because the first movie I remember I still remember watching the first one and being just like on the edge of my seat that entire movie. Um, but yeah, so I, I I don't know this one. Like I said, this one definitely has some ups and downs. Like I, I was really happy they got uh, Hayden Panettiere to come back as Kirby. I do really remember really liking her in four. She really stands out as being this awesome character. And being upset she was killed in, you know, by the end of four. But then they, you know, they reveal in this one that she didn't die. She was just really maimed. And now she's an FBI agent. And so she comes to New York to kind of like help figure out what's going on with this, you know, this situation. As well as Gail does too. But like I said, Gail to me just kind of felt like, oh, well, we have to have one of the original members come back. And since Nev Campbell's not coming back, we're just going to go ahead and, you know, we'll, we'll get Courtney Cox to come back for this one. And, but at the same time, I was also kind of upset. Like they went back to same old Gail instead of it being like, you know, the Gail that left off after five, you know, with the death of, of Dewey, she kind of, um, you know, the death of Dewey, like, hurt her, and she said, like, she's done with what she was doing. She's going to just write a nice story about, like, you know, a, a small town, you know, small town sheriff or whatever. And it was this great moment for her. And then they like, just, like, throw it away just because they needed, like, for whatever reason, they felt like it would be better to have her just be the bitch Gale again. And I didn't understand that. And I really didn't kind of like it. Um, but, yeah, it's... You you can tell I'm I'm like really struggling to find my 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 thought process on this one. This would probably have been a good one to have somebody else there for me that seen it to bounce back off of. But um, but yeah, I, I think the 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 character work is I think what really fed this one to me. I mean, I'm you know I'm not new to the gore movies, the the gore of a horror movie. So like really you know there wasn't anything that really quote unquote shocked me horribly. I mean, there was, there's a couple things that still made, definitely gave me the ew factor or the ick factor, if you will, but nothing really was like, you know, it didn't feel like it was absolutely necessary for it to be as gory as it was sometimes. Um, but, uh, yeah. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess, okay, well, I'll go keep going forward with this. Um, so yeah, well, uh, as the movie goes, though, it's like it is kind of revealed that like the the core of this movie is that 
you know, the killer is leaving old killer's masks behind. So, like, with the first one, it was, uh, oh, I can't remember. Was it Richie, the boyfriend from Five? It was his mask that was left. Like, a mask was left with his DNA on it um, at the first kill. And then the second one, you know, and it's like, so it kind of implies that, like, as it's going, it's going back in, you know, like they're going back in time, so to speak, with the the killers, the masks they're leaving behind. So it starts with Richie, then it probably goes to, uh, oh God, I can't remember Emma Roberts' character's name in four. And then it goes back to Romans from three. And, you know, so it, it's, it's adding up to this whole thing of it's going back to where it all began, even though it's not in Woodsboro. And I really kind of like that. But at the same time, I think that also added to my... My little bit of, you know, my little bit of, oh, at the end of the movie. Um, because, yeah, you have, you have these killer, you know, the, the killer's obviously working backwards to some, some big goal kind of thing. And it really sets the groundwork for something for something I was hoping was going to happen. And so this, this is on me. I freely admitted like with me, I had hopes of what this was adding up to. And as we'll later get to, it didn't add up to exactly what I was expecting. Um, but then as a subcontext, we also have a little bit of a social media cancel culture commentary going on because you have, uh, People are being very vocal online about how they believe that uh, Sam was the real killer from Scream 5. Um, and she just killed everybody and then blamed Richie for it. Uh, so she could get away with it because, you know, she's Billy Loomis's daughter and all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, it just... it. That was a little uncomfortable for me because, like, I, I, never, I'm not real happy with the whole culture can, cancel culture movement that's going on right now. It's, it seems stupid. It's you know people make mistakes and we're we're, you know somebody makes a mistake and instantly they're getting banned from everything just because they said or did something stupid. Well, I'm sorry. People are allowed to say whatever they want. You don't have to like it. That's fine. Ignore them. But they should. They don't. That doesn't mean you need to. Uh, you know, completely ban them from whatever, whatever makes the, you know, allows them to, you know, make their living. I mean, like Gina Carano, like she was kicked off the Mandalorian because she vocalized some very stupid thought processes given, but did that mean she doesn't deserve to make a living? No, it just means she's obviously got some beliefs that are different than you. You don't like them. Don't listen to her talk. It's that fun. Like, I don't, I don't follow her on social media. Doesn't mean I didn't think she was an awesome character on The Mandalorian. Um, God, man, I just got tired off off subject on that one. Um, yeah, so you you've got this this aspect in the background of like there is kind of like the people sowing the seeds of doubt online, and people like constantly confronting her about how she you know they believe that Richie was innocent and she was a killer and. You know, of course, because she's Billy Loomis's daughter, she has to be a psychopath kind of thing. Um, yeah, um, I lost my train of thought there. Welcome to me talking to myself. Um, yeah, so, but 
Hmm. But with this, with this one, like I said, I, I definitely, I definitely know what they were going for. It, it introduces some, some nice things. And this is definitely like, even though Scream 7 hasn't been announced, this is definitely a midpoint for something going even further. Cause there's no way this movie wasn't adding up to the next step. Cause they, you know, it was clear with Scream 5 that they did Scream 5. They were hoping to get a six and they probably already had the groundwork for an idea for six. Well, with this one, it definitely feels like to me, there's, there's a plan to go for with this Scream 7, even if it's not greenlit yet. And I think it really would be, even even though I don't think this is my favorite one, I think it would definitely be a sad thing if they didn't do a Scream 7 to kind of continue this story. Because I'm really intrigued to see where the characters go after this one. Um, <clears throat> ooh, excuse me. But um, yeah, in, in this one though, you know, they're all living... I want to say all of them are kind of living in the same apartment or maybe they're just living in, in, you know, close by apartments to each other. And like one of the characters they introduce is Sam's, no, not Sam, uh, Tara's, or I think it's Sam and Tara's roommate, um, who's self-proclaimed sex positive, AKA she's, she's having sex a lot in, in the beginning of the movie. And she is, you know, she she sets up a really good uh, a really good set you know set piece of her death where you know they're in the front room and she's getting killed in the bedroom and there's this guy across the you know that's across the way from them in a win- you know they can see his, see into his place from the window and he's watching it all happen he's trying to signal them that she's getting killed in the other room kind of thing and it's this it was a really interesting set piece. And it leads to them having to climb window to window over a ladder, which me being afraid of heights, um, it definitely, it definitely gave me a heebie-jeebies. Um, Cause I would, I would have been the person who's like, Nope, I'm dying. Thanks. I ain't getting out on that ladder. Ain't worth it. But, um, but yeah, then they also introduce, kind of just like a mousy quiet um you know I don't even remember what his relation to them I think he's just a friend of the group uh and I don't remember his character's name I didn't do a whole ton of research um but like the joke with him is like everybody's talking constantly making jokes about you know he's He's so so quiet. He has to be the next killer. In fact, they, there's a couple times where they just refer to him as Ghostface as a joke. Um, but the death of the, the female roommate leads, uh, brings Dermot Mulroney's character, who's a cop and her father into this story. And he's, he definitely has some fun with this movie. Like, I think his character, um, like what he does for the story, I think he works really well. Um, and he definitely, you know, like, you know, the, as the father who has to come and, you know, basically inspect a murder, you know, crime scene of his own daughter, he definitely brings in a good, like, he definitely delivers the thing of the, you know, the father who wants justice for, uh, for the do- death of his daughter kind of thing. And it, it works well. And I think, you know, 
I, and strangely, uh, uh, an uh, older grizzled version of Dermot Mulroney is a very interesting looking character as well. So I think that plays plays well for him too. Um, but yeah, then it kind of just goes into from there. It kind of just continues on the this kind of in a way sometimes like a journey across New York because I remember. I don't remember all exactly how everything plays out, but I know at some point in time they end up in a, um, like a little corner shop and Ghostface ends up in there with them and they, he ends up using a shotgun. So totally changes, you know, the aspects of things in a way of like, okay, wow, is this killer going to use guns more than knives or something? Or is that just a, you know, but it ends up being kind of just a little, just a little throwaway thing that happens in the long run. Um, but I think, was it, I think actually it is Gail that like her one thing that she does to really, uh, stand out, I guess for her one part of the movie is she discovers that there's like basically a, a museum to ghost face in a way in this abandoned movie theater in New York. And... <clears throat> I don't remember how her whole thing happens, but I know she gets pretty badly fucked up by Ghostface. Um, and I remember being like, okay, at least they gave her, because I remember they did give her, at least they gave her a good death. And I'm like, okay, at least, you know, you're getting rid of the last of the 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 true, you know, the, the, the original members from the first one. But you're doing it respectfully and, you know, she's going to be dead and then that's that's fine. You can move forward and you don't need to worry about any more come back unless they ever get Nev Campbell to come, excuse me, come back as Sydney one last time or whatever. But but then there's kind of a throwaway line later in the movie. I don't remember where, where they make reference that, oh, well, she was pretty badly hurt, but there's still a faint heartbeat. And I'm like, oh, you cheapened it. Um, and... So like, yeah, I, and I know I'm rambling. I'm sorry for this, people. But um, but yeah, with this movie though, like it all culminates into that that last you know, uh, you know, the last confrontation, so to speak, is in this museum. So you're surrounded by, you know, old Ghostface costumes and the outfit that Tatum was wearing the night she died and the suit that Billy Loomis's mother was wearing the night that, you know, the night it was revealed she was a killer and the TV that killed Stu. And it's really kind of like the most like random thing sometimes where you're like, how the hell did somebody even get a hold of this stuff? Um, but I think the way it's revealed that like this thing exists is they believe that's where the masks were coming from because, like all the masks they are revealed it's not just their DNA of these old killers it's actually the masks that these killers were wearing and someone had been getting a hold of them or whatever and if i remember right it is on the way to the this museum is when the subway situation happens and it's like most of them get onto one, one you know get into one get onto one subway but Mindy and the quiet guy kind of miss the first one. I can't remember what happened, but something happens and they end up missing it and they end up on a second one. And so, you know, they're, they, 
basically make contact, basically say, Hey, we're on the next one. Sorry. We're, you know, we're going to, we missed the first one. So we're going to try to, we're, we're going to catch up with you at the next station kind of thing. But then the tension starts building. Cause you're like, okay, something's going to happen on this subway, but you don't know to which group now. Cause like you've got this split, you know, the, the group is split. So you're like, okay, it could happen anywhere. It could happen on one of any one of these trains, but on the one with Mindy and the quiet guy, there's this, like, there's, I don't know. Like, obviously, it's around. I want to say it is around Halloween because there is a costume party earlier in the movie too. But um, they like there's all these people like dressed as like there's a guy dressed as the Babadook and there's a guy dressed as Pinhead and all these things on this this thing. But then you know Mindy's kind of keeping her distance from the quiet guy because she's like I don't trust him. You know he, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to be the killer. Blah blah blah. And. While she's on there, like at points, the lights start blinking out in the subway train and she sees a guy in a ghost face mask and he's pretty far away. And then it like it blinks out and it comes back on. He's maybe a little bit closer. And for being such a simple trick, it really worked to me to creep me out a little bit and build that tension of like, okay, is this going to be just another, you know, another false thing of like, is there going to be some random person wearing the mask or is this actually going to be the killer and the killer's going to attack the other on the other train? But no, it ends up being, this is actually the one like the lights come back on and sure enough, she just, he just goes to town on her gut, um, with, with a knife. And like I said, I remember it being, it, it's brutal, but at the same time, it's kind of like, it's more haunting the fact that like, there's all these other people on this train, this, uh, subway car that just don't aren't even thinking anything of this late girl just getting pinned up against a freaking uh the door to this subway and stabbed repeatedly. <clears throat> but, but like I said, this like this whole thing all culminates at this museum in this old uh, old uh, movie theater. And now we're getting to the part where it's like what I thought it was all adding up to. And because I had expectations of what I thought it was adding up to and it didn't, it kind of bothered me a little bit. And that's that like, I thought, okay, you got the perfect setup. Scream three, Stu Mocker was originally supposed to come back and be the, the main killer. Something didn't happen. So they ended up changing it to being like Roman who ended up being like Sydney's what half brother I think is what it was because it'd be like a son from a previous relationship or whatever. Um, but I was really thinking, okay, if you look at everything, you're going backwards to the original, original killers. Essentially, it's all going to be tied back to Billy and Stu, And you have her being the son of Billy. Therefore I thought that Stu was going to be revealed as the killer. Like he wants his ultimate revenge or whatever. And what better than to kill, you know, Billy's daughter or something. But they do this weird pivot to me and it ends up being all about Richie from the fifth one. And like, it's revealed that there's now like, I want to say it's revealed at some point in time that like Chad gets away from one killer and then he runs into another one and quickly the other one pops up behind him. And like, he's getting stabbed by like two different kill, two different ghost faces at the same time. So you're like, Oh shit, this is the first time I've ever seen two people in the costume at the same time. But then it's, you know, and then it's, uh, 
there's a point where they get a phone call from Dermot Mulrooney while they're locked in this thing. That's basically where he's saying that, oh, sh- uh, uh, is it Riley? Is that, I can't remember what, uh, I just lost what Hayden Panettiere's character's name was. Give me a second. Kirby, that Kirby is, um, Kirby is the killer because, you know, she's not even an FBI agent anymore. She was, you know, she was basically relieved of duty because she was a psychopath or whatever. She was mentally unstable or something like that. And so you're like, okay, wow, is Hayden Panettiere going to be the murderer? So they start kind of believing that. But then it's actually revealed that the killer, there are three killers. Which is, you know, upping the stakes, so to speak, because the quiet kid is one of the killers. Dermot Mulrooney is revealed to be like the main, you know, the the leader of this group. And he is uh, Richie's father, which this then makes his daughter Richie's sister. But then, so you're like, okay, well, who's the third person? They reveal the mask and it's actually, you know, it's the third one is, like I said, the quiet kid. Um which I have the name up here. It's Ethan is the character's name. And he is actually the brother of um, Richie. And, you know, so it's like, he's been faking being this person the whole time. And I'm like, and to me, it's like, it works, but I'm like the thoughts of what could have been, what this movie could have added onto, like what I would have done to see the end of this movie be like the mask is pulled off. And it's Stu there, you know, like just probably, obviously probably beat the fuck up because he had a television dropped on his head and, you know, he was repeatedly stabbed by Billy and just have him be just like true Matthew Lillard insane. I I wanted this to happen so badly that when it didn't happen, it really bothered me to an extent, but that's not to say like it wasn't, it wasn't still a good ending to the movie. I didn't mind, you know, like I thought that it revealing that Dermot Mulrooney is like the father of Richie and like, he just, you know, it doesn't give, you know, the movies don't matter a fucking thing. This is all just about the fact that Richie was a psychopath and they wanted Sam to take the fall. Like they wanted to like, you know, it's revealed that they were the ones who were starting the, the movement online about her being the real killer and, and then it's revealed that this museum is, you know, is it's like this is something that like Dermot Mulrooney's character had helped Richie put together for a long time because he was a huge fan of Stab. So he helped him get all these like crime, like basically shit from the crime scenes, which makes no sense to me. I do not know how legally you could get a hold of, you know, the knife that Billy Loomis used to kill people. And like I said, the the outfits that people died in and the TV that was dropped on Stu Mocker's head and all this stuff. <clears throat> but that is the reveal that, you know, this was all basically just to destroy Sam because she killed, she was a psychopath and she killed Richie kind of thing. Um, but then it leads to a lot of really, really fucked up, like, deaths. Because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of violence in, like, the last, you know, I'd say last, like, 10, 15 minutes of this movie. As the killers are chasing them around this theater and, you know, trying to finish the job they're doing. 
and make, you know, make it look like Sam was, you know, Sam was the psycho all along kind of thing. Um, and I liked, there's a moment where Sam is like, you know, the, the, the two kids are dispersed and Sam has the upper hand on Dermot Mulroney's character. And she's like, she's right there. She could just unleash the psychopath. And at first she, kind of, she, she looks down and she kind of drops a knife. She's like, no, I'm not doing this. Cause I'm not, you know, I'm not the crazy person that you think I am. But then Jenna Ortega, um, uh, or Tara comes up to her and is like, no, we need to finish this kind of thing. And so Sam's like, okay, and just brutalizes him. Um, and this is after Tara, I want to say it was Tara, stabs Ethan in the face in a vicious, vicious manner. And I remember that one kind of like just ooging me so badly. Um, but yeah, so, you know, like I said, I, I didn't think this one's going to be real long. Um, but yeah, so this... This movie, like I said, I think it's serviceable. If they do a Scream 7, I'm interested to see if they stick the landing and it will improve this one. I am going to w- go watch this one again at some point in time because I want to I wanna watch it again and see what I feel about it, knowing it's, you know, without the expectation in my eyes that it's going to be Stu Mocker behind the mask and that wouldn't be the only thing that would make it great. But, um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm interested to see how this one holds up on a second viewing. Um, if I were to put it anywhere in this series, like as far as my rank, as far as I can remember, my, my original ranking went one, four, five, two, three, I believe. Um, I'd probably put this one behind two, but above three because I still think like I like three, but I just, you know, three's held up better on, on, you know, on later viewings, but I still feel it's the weakest. So I'd probably put this one as it stands now, just, just above three, but not quite as good as two. Um, I think, I think it does what it needs to do. Well, I just, well, and, and the, the other knock against it is there's a lot of deaths that are, not deaths. And that kind of bothers me. Like, you know, at the end of the movie, you know, uh, Mindy was horribly stabbed on the, the, you know, the, the subway. She's still alive. Uh, Chad gets stabbed by two different freaking ghost face in this movie. And somehow he's still alive, you know, Gail dying, but Oh no, there's still a faint heartbeat. She's still alive. You know, it's, it just seemed like, some of the stakes were gone, especially from the standpoint of like, this movie goes through a lot of time to talk about how, oh, well, now we're in a franchise. So the IP is all that matters. So like anybody's, you know, anybody's uh, expendable in this at this point in time. But then none of the core four die. Like, you know, I and as much as, it would suck. I really kind of wish they would have gotten rid of like maybe Chad because like one, he stabbed repeatedly by two different people. How the hell he survived? I do not know. Um, but then again, Dewey had the same thing in the first like three movies. Like how many times was he stabbed and he still somehow made it to the next movie. So maybe that, maybe that's the running joke is like, the, like the twins are kind of the, 
are the are the 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 Dewey of this this series. Um, but I don't know. Like I, I'm I'm intrigued to see where they go. Seven. I still have my hopes that you know maybe they'll do a like since the first one kind of mirrored or five kind of mirrored one, and this one in ways mirrored two. I'd be interested to see if like. If that's following that thing, that means it'll be the third, the seventh one. If they do it, would be the big killer would be like the person who is manipulating the other killers before them, kind of thing. And you could still do stew with that. And it'd be great if they could get Sydney or uh, Nev Campbell to come back one last time, even if she's just the um, the cold open. In fact, I think that would be the best way to handle it. Have it be officially get rid of Sydney. Have her die in the cold open, and that's what starts every you know like or or she dies in the final act. Do a, a Nightmare on Elm Street three with uh, Nancy, you know, where she dies in the final act. But you know, have it be like it would still be awesome to see Stu come back. Like have Matthew Lillard just with all of the insanity of that Matthew Lillard can bring forward, like that that manic energy he had in the first one he still got it so i'd love to see him bring that out now as just a grizzled stew who everybody thought was dead but somehow he you know he lived and you know just went into hiding for so long and now he's getting his his you know his payback so to speak and you could even do it to the point where it's like his his ultimate goal is yeah he wants to kill sydney because that didn't get accomplished in the first one but then you know the ultimate goal of like, he wants to take out Sam cause she's the daughter of, um, she, you know, she's the daughter of Billy who he could easily go with the whole, Oh, I was wrong by him. Cause like, you know, we, we had this plan together and then he, he pretty much tried to kill me and then just left me, you know, then, you know, he let the, and then he let them pretty much try to, you know, he, he pretty much let them kill me, but I didn't die kind of thing. So it'd be interesting to see into it. I don't think, like, I really don't know if it'll happen, but that's kind of where I want to see it go. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that's probably going to be the the end of this one. I mean, like I said, I, I knew this one was going to be real long. I'm only talking about one movie, um, and it's one movie I watched like a week ago. So like, I, I really should have rewatched it, but I got kind of busy and forgot to rewatch it before I did this, and I just really need to record something. So. Uh, so yeah, um, as usual, if you want to uh, contact the show, you can reach me at I stand or stand strongcast at gmail.com. Um, I always look forward to people messaging me the even though it's only been one person and it was really kind of a joke anyways, I think sometimes. but um, but yeah, so if you want to, you know, reach me, you can reach me at standstrongcast at gmail.com. So with that, I'm going to thank you for listening. I'm going to thank all the usual people for the support they give me. And yeah, so I guess I will uh, talk to you guys in two weeks. Bye-bye. <laughs>